Well, good morning. Um, we are in week four of a uh, relationship series, um, a, a marriage series, and so if you're picking up with us, um, you're on the tail end of it, uh, but I, I hope you will find what we're doing helpful, and if you were like me and had a little bit of trouble getting up this morning, um, maybe a little tired, a little dreary, um, hopefully I'll wake you up because we're about to have the sex talk. It's, uh, it's something that's needed, I, I think. Uh, to be honest, like we're a very sexualized culture. Um, I, I was just kind of thinking about this, and I, I would probably go out on a limb and say like two things that Americans are obsessed with and, and are on our mind all the time um, are probably either money or sex. Uh, we even, you know, have, have the uh, phrase like sex sells, and so we can, we put those two e- even, even together. A- and the truth is, is um, that, that, that money or sex, right, if it's used in the wrong way, um, will destroy your relationships. They, they will. You know, the top two reasons really for divorce, for breakup, for all of those sorts of things, they're kind of money dysfunction and, and sex dysfunction. And so uh, things that actually God has meant for the good can also destroy us if they're used in the wrong way. And so um, one of the things that we hope to do is, is to, to think of sex in the right way. Uh, I, just kind of by a show of hands, um, who's, who's married? Just raise your hand. Okay. Um, who maybe hopes to be married? Just raise your hand if you hope to be married someday, right? Yeah, okay. Um, who wants nothing to do with it, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> right, that's cool. That's perfectly fine. Like I said, Jesus wasn't married. Like, that's Okay. It's okay not to be married. Um, but now who, like, if you are married or if you hope to be married, like, who someday hopes to have an affair? Uh, Charles, Charles <laughs> I saw that hand. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. You've put too many years in, Charles. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay? Yeah. Who, who hopes, who hopes, right, uh, to get addicted to pornography? Like anybody hope to become addicted to pornography? Uh, any, anybody, any, anybody hope, right, to just even become an emotional affair? Like to maybe, to, to maybe desire a coworker or a friend more than your spouse? No, nobody, right? We, we don't enter into any of our marriage relationships like th- this way. And if you've been with us, one of the, the passages that we've been looking at uh, has been in Genesis because Genesis kind of starts out well, with the idea of marriage, um, God created marriage, and he created it to be good. And so I want to read, if you've got your notes in front of you, this is in your notes as well, but you can open your Bibles to Genesis 2. When we begin in verse 24, read through verse 25. And God says this, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Uh, so the goal of, of this morning it's for really for that to take place, um, not for you just to be like physically naked in front of your spouse or future spouse and be unashamed, but for you to have an unashamed relationship uh, between you and your spouse. And maybe even more importantly, for you to have a relationship with God that works that way. And so that's our goal this morning. Now as we kind of uh, uh, prep for that goal, I do want us to review, right, we're in the last week of this series, so I want us to review together. Uh, so that we can kind of strengthen our relationships and re- be reminded of what we've learned. And so we've had a, a se- series of four vows. I'm going to review three, the, the three first vows with you and, and, and say these with me. We'll throw them on the screen. So the first vow is this. 
is I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. All right, one more time just to get you kind of in it. All right, vow number one. I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. All right, vow number two. I promise to always pursue my two. Vow number three. I promise our marriage will be about we and not me. So now the vow of purity. Let's jump right in, and uh, most of my teachings will be out of Ephesians 5 this morning. Uh, God says through Paul, he, he says this as he's teaching the church. He says, let there be no sexual immorality. Now, uh, one of the things that I've gotten to do through the years is I've gotten to preach at different like youth events and camps. Uh, and one camp that I was preaching at uh, down in Alabama uh, I, I had, I had, we talked about sexual immorality and it kind of ended the message. And one of the things that we did down there and which like we try to do here as well, after a message you break off into groups and you discuss what you just learned and what God is doing in your, in your head and in your heart and in your life. And uh, one of the men took his cabin aside and uh, the, the, the counselor is leading his, his, his young boys in in a, a, a small group, in a quiet time, and he asked them, he goes, do you know what sexual immortality is? <laughs> Some of you got that, right? One letter makes all the difference. Like, because I, I, I wanted to kind of see what was going on, and you would never, you would have never seen so many high school boys come to the Lord in one minute. <laughs> like, no, I mean, that's a true story, the word. He didn't, they didn't really come to, the, come to Christ, but I was thinking, like, this is going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he never realized what he was saying throughout the whole thing, and I'm just like, oh! Um, but the idea here of sexual immorality, so the, the word um, in the Greek is just one word. It's, it's pornea. So you, right, you're, you, you're smart. You, you understand that this is where we get the word pornography. Uh, but as the, the biblical writers and uh, the Greeks, as they use this word, um, it was much broader than pornography, uh, if you look at the way that the biblical writers use it, um, it, it basically stands for like kind of any, any type of uh, pornographic material. Uh, it's used to uh, talk about adultery. It's used to talk about really just any sexual relationship outside a, a marriage relationship between a man or a woman. So this is a very general term uh, here when Paul is using it and when it's used in the scriptures. Those are, it's kind of just an umbrella term that's being used. And he continues here, let there be no sexual immorality, and then he goes on to impurity, and basically he's just emphasizing it. He's, he's using two very similar words to just emphasize his point. Then he says, or coveting. Now that's interesting. Why would, those, why would coveting then follow those two words? Well, to be honest, to covet is just to long for something that doesn't belong to you. And so the Bible uses a number of different words to talk about coveting. Sometimes it talks about misplaced desires. Uh, other times it talks about lust. And, and so it, it, it's all kind of the same idea. When Jesus actually um, addresses this topic, he, he says, don't even look at a woman with lustful intent, or don't even look at somebody with lustful intent. And he says, if you have, you've already committed adultery. Now what Jesus is, is teaching is that you haven't actually had a physical sexual relationship with somebody if you've looked at them with lustful intent. What Jesus is saying is that you're just laying the groundwork for it. Right? Like, you didn't accidentally have an affair. You had thought about that before it happened. Like, nobody just, like, walked in on, on you, or nobody just, like, honestly said, well, she just fell on top of me. We were both naked, and it just happened. Right? No, like, you had thought about it. 
Like, and, and, and to be honest, you, you had probably played the situation in your head before it happened. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, like, don't, even, don't allow those thoughts to, 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 be, to be there. That, that's what leads to adultery. And then he, then he goes on and he uses a hyperbole. He says, like, if, if you're having those, he says, this is how serious Jesus is about it. He says, if you're having those, like, you should pluck out your eye. That, that's what Jesus tells them. Uh, and, and that's why, like, when you, yeah, I'm not, okay, I'm not going to say it. Um, so, he says, let none of this take place among you. This is what Paul says. And he says, such, pl- such sins have what, help me with these two words, church, have no place, right, among who? God's people, okay? Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. If you're with your spouse, just tell your spouse you're thankful for them right now. All right, go ahead. All right, if you're not, go home and tell your spouse that you're thankful for, thankful for them. If you want to be married, hold that for them. Tell them that, let them know how, how thankful you are. If you're not married, <laughs> be thankful that you're not married. Um, verse 5, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or covetous person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be deceived by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Now, there's a lot there, and I'm not going to unpack it all, uh, but I, I think what's really clear is that purity is really important to God. I, I think if you just re- to read those few verses, um, you, would, you would discover that God is really serious about this topic. Like, this is not something um, that, that we could, should just kind of brush over and our lives. This is something that we too should be very serious about and, and, and take a lot of, and give a lot of attention to. One of the things that we are commanded here to do is not to be deceived by those who try to make excuses for the sins. And because we're a part of a very sexualized culture, um, like, it's easy to be deceived. There are a lot of lies that we believe uh, about sex. Um, I'm going to give you kind of three of them. I'm sure there are more. Uh, that I didn't come up with or didn't think of. Um, but I'm, I'm going to give you three lies that we believe about sex right now. Uh, the first is that sex is an animalistic action. Uh, so kind of just to illustrate this, um, one of the ways that we talk about sex, or if we're going to talk about sex with our kids for whatever reason, um, we call it the birds and the bees. I, I don't know who came up with that either. Um, that is, yeah, think about that. I, I would Maybe rabbits and dragonflies or something, but um, the birds and the bees, it doesn't, so I like to hunt. Uh, I don't know if I should tell you that or not because you might not like me now, Um, but I do, Uh, and one of the things that I like to do in in the falls, I like to deer hunt. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, Deer, they're they're an extremely smart animal. Uh, In fact, like their nose is better than a bloodhound's, and so one of the things that you try to do is you have to like set up like downwind or upwind from them, downwind from them, uh, and so like, yeah, and they, and, and, the, and the males, the males are extremely smart, uh, like those deer that get big racks, one of the reasons that those are really cool to have, and one of the reasons that they're trophies, is because they're hard to find, and they're hard to kill, because they've gotten older, and they've gotten smarter, uh, but something happens every year, and I decide typically kind of to take vacation time during this time, because it's really neat to watch, uh, it's called the rut, and so the female deer, uh, they go into heat, and so they're ready to be bred. And so the male deer, who typically are nocturnal or only come at, only like are out like for maybe just a little while 
during the morning and a little while at night, like all of a sudden, uh, they are running around uh, looking for these female deer because they can't control their urges. And so that's like the best time for that deer to like come underneath you or for you to get a shot at that deer and bang, and then they're on your wall. All right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, amen. All right. The, the truth is, though, right? And here, here's what I'm getting at. Like, if you just kind of follow your feelings, right, you'll end up on somebody's wall. You will. Right? I, I've been around enough guys, like, you know, played football, wrestled, played, was in, co- like, like these, these are the type of guys, like, they are my friends, too, by the way. Uh, but you, you, it's, just, it's just the way it works. Like, if you follow your feelings, like, you're going to end up defeated, and, and I'm all for, like, your feelings. You, you want to, I'm all for the right feelings. And so one of the things that we want to do, right, with our feelings as Christians is we want to cultivate the right feelings. So we need to figure out what feelings God wants us to have and how he wants us to have them. One of the ways that the scriptures teach this is say, let your thoughts be captivated by Christ, right? If I acted on every thought and feeling that I had, I wouldn't be your pastor, and I shouldn't be. And, and the same is true for you, like, if you act on every thought and feeling that, that you have, right, it, it's ultimately going to lead to your destruction. Like, you, you are more than an animal, and you do have some control. You have a lot of control, right? So the first lie that you believe is that sex is an animalistic action. The second is this, is that sex is an isolated event. Sex is an isolated event. In other, in other words, like, so you can just kind of like turn it on and off. It's, it's easy to forget. I had a professor, it's a math professor, so it never really made much sense. Um, but he would do it like kind of while we were doing geometry questions. And uh, when he was about to, uh, to put a point up on the board, like after he was making a graph, he would, he would just kind of, without being able to do the, the project, because he had done maybe that, that workbook so often, he'd be able to draw where the point was before you told him where it was actually supposed to go. And one of the things that he would say to us is that he had a pornographic memory. Uh, yeah, so, so if you're following, like, he used pornographic memory uh, to replace photographic memory. That's basically what what he was doing, and, and a lot of people didn't get it, just like a lot of you, um, but I listen, I love this professor, uh, because he said stuff that, like, you had to pay attention to that was actually kind of funny at times, um, but, but, but the truth is here is that you really actually do have a pornographic memory. You, you do. You, you, you have been created with a capacity to remember sexual account encounters, you, you just, this is like the way God has wired you, right? I, like, I can, I can remember the first time I, I saw a pornographic photo, right? Wives, ask your husbands. They can remember the first time they did too. I thought it was a car magazine. I don't remember any of the cars in the magazine, right? <laughs> it, it, this is, this is the, you, you remember your first time. The, 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 like, you... You have something that happens in your mind. Like you have pleasure receptors that are given off during, the, during that time that are very intense. Uh, and, and if it's, it's pleasurable, like you'll never forget it. If it's not pleasurable, you'll still never forget it because God has created you with that sort of memory. 
However, we've come up with like kind of like slogans with, that, that, that teach us that this just isn't true, right? That it can be an isolated event. Like, you know, whatever happens in Vegas, what? Stays in Vegas, right? Except for herpes. Um, <laughs> come back with you, uh, right? Or, or to just end up in the counseling room with you. It, it really will. Like, the, the, the more partners that you have, the less, the less likely you'll have a deep, connected relationship with your own spouse. Like, you'll just struggle. It's, it's just the way it works. That's what happens. So, so sex isn't an isolated event. Uh, third, third is that sex is a recreational activity. This is a lie that we believe, that sex is a re- recreational, uh, recreational activity. Basketball is a recreational activity. All right, bocce ball, recreational activity. Fishing, right? That's recreation. Um, sex is sacred. Sex is sacred. Now, it doesn't mean it can't be fun. Just, just do it with the one, right? Sex can be fun. Just, just do it with the one. And, and some of you, maybe you've grown up in the church uh, and you've been taught, you know, a few things about sex that is dirty, that is gross, and that it's foul, and so you should save it for the person that you love. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's not necessarily true either. Uh, but, but, what is, but what is true is that, is that it's sacred. Like, God has created it, all right, so that you would give all of yourself to the person that you have committed to love for the rest of your life, and so that they would give all of themselves to you. And, and in that moment, right, uh, when you are consummating a marriage, um, and when you are giving yourself to your spouse, what you are participating in is a sacred activity where all of yourself is in front of all of them, and they are receiving all of you, and you are receiving all of them. This is a spiritual connection, by the way. Like when God, when, when Paul is, he's, he's, he's reminding the Corinthians about this, he says, he says, do you realize that when you are having sex with people who aren't your spouses, that you are joining Christ to them? So this is, this is deeply spiritual. It's a deeply spiritual act. It's not something that you just do with anybody. Um, and, and the truth is, I think most of us believe this. Like, even, even people who aren't Christians believe this. Right? They, they, they may not come to the same conclusions, but, but think about how deep sex wounds are. Right? Think about how egregious right, sexual assault is. It's deeply personal because it's deeply spiritual. And church, if anybody should be concerned, too, about sexual assault and women or men being taken advantage of, right, it should be us. Because of this truth. It lasts. It stays there with people. People's temples are being robbed when this takes place. And one of the worst things to, to know and to see and to hear is that one in four women, right, are sexually abused in their lifetime. It, maybe one in six men are. Men are less likely to admit it if they are, but we, we, we can pretty much figure out that one in six men. Right? Uh, ladies who have decided to become prostitutes, 
75% of them have tried to commit suicide. Right? 15%, this, is, this may have changed a little bit now, um, but, but 15% of all, all successful suicides are prostitutes. Right? It's millions of people, by the way, too, right now, are sex slaves. Millions. In the United States and across the, across the globe. Right? It, it's, it's deeply personal. It's not a recreational activity. And so um, Paul continues here, and he says, he says this in verse 7. He says, don't participate in the things that these people do. Right? Don't, don't participate in it. Paul says, be different. Be different. One of the things I kind of hear, like, when people are, you know, mad because their grandparents want them to get married or, or whatever, they just said, oh, they're just so old-fashioned. Right? They're just so old-fashioned, which, is, which, by the way, is an awful argument. Um, just because it's old doesn't mean it's bad. Um, and just because it's new doesn't mean it's good. So it's, it's a bad argument to begin with. B- but I, I, another reason it's a bad argument is because it's, it's not that old. Right? Like, what I'm teaching you um, isn't older than the opposite views. Like, uh, what's the oldest profession? Like, if I were to ask you what the oldest profession is, what would you tell me? Prostitution, right? Like, to encourage uh, one man and one woman (laughs) to remain together and to love each other and to hold out for one another, it's a a radical thing, but it's not a new, it's not an old thing, right? And this is, by the way, like this is something that the Christianity 2,000 years ago affirmed kind of from the tr- Jewish tradition. But there's always been a divide here. And it, it's as old as people are. Right? The divide is. And so the disagreement is. The, what this is is just radical. It's just different. When Paul says don't participate in, in this, and when, when I teach this, it's not, I don't want you to be like in this old-fashioned relationship like, I don't care if it's old or new. Like, is it good? Is it right? Right? It's just different. It's radical. And to be honest, like, I think if we were, if we were to take this teaching seriously and, and take our purity as, ser- as seriously as, like, God does, like, there would be no reason to have a Me Too movement right now. There wouldn't. Continues. Verse 8. For once you were full of darkness. In other words, you were just used to it. Like, you believed the lies. Like you, you were used to living this way, um, you know, and these habits are hard to break, by the way. Like, it's easy to get used to, like, living in the darkness. Like, you know, your eyes, they adjust to the dark, and you actually can see in it, and you can kind of get around. You just can't see as clearly as, as you would like. And, and so, he, so you, you, you were there, though, at one point. But then he says, what, what, what are these words, church? Help me out here. What? But now. All right? But now. And these words are for you. But now you have light from the Lord. In other words, like God has shown you a better way. So live as children of light. You are, you, are, you are sons and daughters of God, and God is lighting the way. He's showing you these lies here. And he says, for this light within you uh, produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, instead do what? Expose them expose them. Now, now, Paul is actually talking about here, like, he's talking about going out into the world and just showing people, like, these lies, like, this just isn't true. Um, but I'm going to show you with this, like, 
what we need to do in our own lives, and you can have conversations with people too out there if you want to about this, but I want to I teach how we should pursue purity. And the way that we pursue purity is we just expose the darkness in our own lives, right? And so, right, if you're struggling, by the way, with this right now, um, this, is, this is for you, right? This is for all of us because we all fall, right? And we all stumble. And so the first thing that we need to do is we need to come clean with God, right? We need to come clean with God. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're looking at, whatever you're struggling with, whatever lie you're believing, the truth is, is that you're not the first, right? You're, you're not the first person to have been deceived by the lies. You're not the first person to have fallen into the sexual shame. You're not the first person um, to wish you hadn't done what you had done, right? But there are certain ways that, that we, need, we need to react to everything that we've been through. And here it is. Here it is in, in Genesis. I just want to show you um, how, how not to react, and I'm going to show you how to react. So in Genesis 3, 7 through 10, it says, At that moment their eyes were opened. And this is Adam and Eve, by the way. You know, at first they're before God and each other. They're naked. They're unashamed. And what, what happens is they're deceived then by the serpent, that they knew better than God. Um, and because of this, we see the story continues. And it says, at, their, at that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool of the evening breeze, breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God and among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. One of the things that I want you to see, right, if you're kind of living in any sexual shame, is, is um, your mistakes, your past, your shame does not surprise God. It, it doesn't. Right? It, it doesn't. Like anything that you're going through, like your story is older than you. It's not unique to you. Um, God knows how to handle it. But the mistake here that we see that Adam and Eve are making is, is one, is that they were deceived, just like all of us have been deceived, by the way, uh, in our past. So that's the first mistake they make. But then as they continue, they, they just kind of continue to, to mess it up. Um, and the second mistake they make is actually that they hide from God. Uh, and, and what does God do in this? God doesn't let them continue to hide. What God does is he goes after them. Like, like God finds them. He goes, what's going on? Right? He, he wants to know what's happening. He, he doesn't want you to flee from him. Right? That, that is not the solution, right, to overcome your shame and to overcome your sin. I like what John 1 has to say, or 1 John 1, 9 has to say about it. It says, if we confess our sins, in other words, like if we go to the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like when you come to God, he wants to forgive you, right? He knows it's really easy to be deceived. The other thing that he's going to do is he's going to clean you up. 
He, he doesn't want you to try to do it on your own. He wants you to come to him, let him know what is going on, and he's going to receive you like a loving father, right? There, there are typically probably two ways that guys, that fathers have received people who are struggling with sexual sin. Uh, one of them is probably to yell and to scream and say, I can't believe that you're looking at this son. I can't believe that you've done that daughter. Um, that is not the way that God approaches it. The other is like, oh, it's okay, right? It's just what, you, it's just what people do. No, God says, I know it's wrong, but come to me, right? You know it's wrong. Come to me. I forgive you. I love you. Let me clean you up. This is, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to come to him. Uh, I, I want to show you this in Genesis 3.21, by the way, because what did Adam and Eve try to do? They, yeah, they tried to hide, but what did they do as they were hiding? They tried to cover themselves up. They tried to hide their own shame. And as Genesis continues, um, in Genesis 3.21, it says, God, God ends up, he, he does something for them. He, it says, and the Lord made for Adam and his wife garments of skin, and he clothed them. You see, they tried to clothe themselves. They tried to cover themselves up. They tried to hide, and the truth is, is that we can't cover up our shame. Like, we can even tell ourselves, like, what we're doing is okay, but we know deep down that it's not. It's one of the ways that we cover ourselves. One of the ways that we cover ourselves is we just, we just walk away from the Lord. And this is not what God wants from you, and this is not the way God reacts with Adam and Eve either. He goes to them, and he's going to make them clothes for one of the reasons, like, he's going to tell Adam, like, Adam, you're going to be really embarrassed when it gets cold out with just that leaf. But, all right, one person got that. Um, But what he does, though, is is really interesting. Uh, Because think about this, like, to give him clothes, it's not like God went and took some cotton or whatever. They're, They're clothed in animal skins. And so God, he goes and sacrifices an animal, and he reminds Adam and Eve of their worth through the sacrifice of this animal, and then he clothes them with the clothes that he gives them before he sends them off, right? This is projection of what God is going to do to us and for us in Christ, right? God's son is going to be laid down. His life shows you how much you are worth, and God clothes you with his righteousness, like when God looks at you, he doesn't see some person, right, who is stuck in their sin and who is stuck in their shame and who is addicted to sexual sin. He sees somebody who looks like his own son, who looks like his own daughter, and they're clothed in that kind of righteousness. That's, that's who you are. So God wants you to come to him. Come clean with God. That's, that's your first step. That's what you have to do first. Don't go try to do it by yourself right? Don't do it by yourself. The second thing here I want to encourage you to do, and this is our fourth vow, by the way, and this is, you're going to do this with your spouse, all right? You're going to promise this for your future spouse, and it's, you promise to confide in your spouse and not to hide from them, and so just to kind of wake you back up here, um, I want you to read this with me. I promise to confide in you and not to hide from you, right? Uh, James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The truth is in your marriage that secrecy is the, intimis, uh, is the enemy of intimacy. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Now, this is going to take a lot of guts, right, and a lot of grace. Uh, had a guy a few years back to me when I was kind of talking about this come up to me and take, took me out to lunch and told me everything that was going on. And he said, I know that, that Jesus 
uh, said to take out your eye, right, if you're struggling with something. Well, my wife caught me um, viewing pornography, and I'm pretty sure she wanted to pluck my eyes out. Um, Here's the thing, right? If you're struggling with this, your spouse needs to know. Right? Your, Your spouse needs to know. And spouse, if your spouse is struggling with this, right, you're going to have to offer grace, and you're going to have to take steps with them so that they can no longer hide from you, but they confide in you. The truth is that both of you are sexually broken, right? Both of you are. And, and, and whether you have the same struggle or not is, you're probably not going to, by the way, right? You're going to struggle differently. And so both of you are going to need to offer grace in different areas. Um, and because this is such a broken area in our life, like, you're going to have to battle with your spouse, and this. And so some of the ways that we try to prevent battles, right, and, and Emily and I's own marriage is that she has access to everything of mine. Like she views my calendars. She knows my phone password. Uh, she knows all the passwords to my computer. If my wife were to, if Emily were to come and she were to ask me for my cell phone, if she wanted to go through it, I'd have no problem with that. Like she has every right to do that. And I have access to everything that she has. Like, we just don't keep secrets. She's got my, she can get on my Facebook, and she can look at everything that I've, I've done on there, every conversation that I've ever had. Like, I don't care, right? right? And, and if, if, there, if, if I happen to mess up, like, she's, she's able to see it, and vice versa. Like, so I encourage you, right, to not keep secrets, to be open. She can see every purchase that I make. We, this is why we share bank accounts, too. Like there, there's just nothing that she can't see. And, and we think about confiding and not hiding from somebody, too. Um, I, I'm just going to encourage this. I didn't really, I didn't plan to say this. But sexually, right? Don't hide from your spouse. Don't, right? Paul says, Paul says you might, you might spend some time apart for a little while, like to pray and fast, not because you're mad at them, <laughs> um, or, or not because you're insecure, um, or not because you're having trouble, right? But, but he actually says, like, your body belongs to your spouse. And so he says, come together, right? Come together. Like, and husbands, if, if she's dealing with insecurity, like, don't you dare talk down to her, right? right? But what you're doing, share yourself with your spouse. Right? Confide in them. If you're having trouble, talk to them. Go to a counselor, by the way, too. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? So, come clean with God. Promise to confide in you, not to hide in you, because secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. And then the third and the final thing, and you're really going to need this, by the way, right? You're really going to need this, because you can make decisions here today, um, and uh, uh, this, this may be just as important as anything else. Um, like, this series is probably not going to change your life unless you do this third thing. It's, it's protect your mind. It's protect your mind. Paul says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Well, why do we need to do this? Because less, in less than a minute, you can pull up porn on your phone. Right? You, you can have it right now in front of you. Like, you used to have to go to the store and at least look somebody in the eye before you bought that magazine or that video. Not now. It's, it's so easy. The porn industry right now makes more money than the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, and the NHL combined. They're pretty powerful. Right? They, they know what they're doing. Right? 
and it's easy for us to get addicted to it. The average person views porn for the first time at 11 or 10 years old right now. And so don't be careless, right? Don't, don't be careless. Uh, when you travel, like if you travel on business, like have an accountability partner, somebody who calls you and asks you what you're watching, what you're looking at, what you're doing. In your own home, don't put your computer in a corner where nobody can see it, right? Um, guys, guys, don't meet with women alone. They used to call this the Billy Graham rule because uh, back when Billy Graham became an evangelist, a lot of pastors were falling because they were, they were meeting with women alone and things were happening that shouldn't be happening, right? And so Billy Graham made a vow that he would never meet with a woman alone. So he always had somebody with him, like if he was going to meet with somebody that wasn't his wife. So he never intentionally did that. Ladies, ladies, stay away from mommy porn, right? What do I mean by that, right? Stay away from, like, romance novels, just do it. Like, guys, like, when we read, like, we want, like, history. We want, like, facts. When we look at pornography, like, we want to see what we're going to see. Our imaginations just aren't as good. I don't know. But, like, ladies, right, you can, you've got better imaginations for whatever reason. I went to the beach a few years ago, and, like, it seemed like every woman 30 and over had a Fifty Shades of Grey uh, book. Like, what's going on? Like, I'd assume, like, some of these ladies are, are, are Christians. Maybe I... I don't, I don't know, right? But it's bad for your minds. It is. It, what's interesting is Bill Maher. Some of you may know who he is, but he's basically kind of an atheist commentary that's got his own show on uh, HBO, and he does a lot of political stuff. And I came across this, um, and he, he even recognized just as how hypocritical we are as a culture. He, he says this. He says, in an age of Me Too, how come the number one movie in America is about a woman on a leash? You realize three weeks ago, Fifty Shades of Freed was the number one movie in America? Right now, it has grossed almost, it probably has by this weekend, over $100 million in sales. Right? He points out something. He says, he said, the men are the ones making the mov- the, these movies right now, but now the women are the ones going to see them. So, here's what we do carefully determine what pleases the Lord, right? We've got to carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And when we do, we come clean with God. We, can hide, we confide in our spouse. We don't hide from them. And we protect our mind. Let us pray. Father, this morning, I don't know where people are at with this, but you do. Father, you love our relationships, you love our marriages, you love us. And so I pray, Father, as we just end this series on marriage, that you protect everyone who is married in this room, that we promise that you will be our first priority and that our spouse will be our second, that we promise to always pursue our two and let them know how much we love them and how much they mean to us. Father, we promise that our marriage will always be about we and not me. Father, we take the vow of purity. We pray, Father, that we promise to confide in our spouse, not to hide in our spouse. And and right now, Father, um, I pray that if there's any of us here, we're hiding something from you, that we quit and we just come to you. You know about it already. But Father, allow us to come to you with a posture of confession. 
and we, we, we just ask for your forgiveness and for your cleansing power. We thank you that you embrace us as a loving Father who wants to bring us out of the darkness and into light. And so I pray, Father, that somebody here this morning decides to step out of the darkness and into light as they are embraced by you and forgiven by you. Father, there are spouses in this room perhaps that are hiding from their spouse. It can be maybe a, a, a sexual sin. I pray that they no longer hide, but that they, that they confide. I pray that the spouse is ever, able to receive them with grace and love and able to walk them to a place of healing. I pray, Father, that spouses don't, don't hide sexually from one another either. You created sex to be good and to be an expression of the gospel. All of me for all of you. All of you for all of me. I pray, Father, that you help people break, break through of their shame. We've been covered in Christ, and there's nothing to be ashamed of, Father, because you have forgiven us of everything. You see every part of us, and you still love us. Father, I pray that you protect people's minds. I pray that we are wise enough to take, to take the steps needed to not allow the enemy to, to sneak into our minds through what we watch and what we see, through what we do. I pray if people need accountability partners, Father, that they reach out to somebody whom they trust and whom they love and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Will you help me? Father, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you empower us to desire you more than anything else as we determine what pleases you. As we conclude this service, Father, and take our offering, we pray, Father, that what we give back to you as a reflection of how much we love you and that we're willing to give you everything. So we gladly give you this, this little bit that we have. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.